Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. We're starting a new series up today, and the series is called Be- The Beatitudes, and the reason we're calling it that is because I'm preaching from The Beatitudes. So um, it's a very dynamic title. Um, but the Beatitudes are the beginning portion of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount was this, this sermon that Jesus preached in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And it really is uh, the most important sermon of all time. And so if I can do this, uh, I'm going to try to preach a sermon on the most important sermon of all time. So it's going to be diluted and watered down. It's me instead of the Son of God and all those kind of things. But it's going to be really good. And this is the thing, um, not to scare you, but this series, we're going to take one little break here, uh, but this series is going to take us through the summer into the next school year, the very beginning of September. And so um, we're going to break it up into sections, but I'm really excited about this. So we're going to walk through Matthew, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 over the next couple of months and just unpack that because the words of Jesus are so important and so life-giving that, that we want it to be in front of you. When we look at the Beatitudes, um, at the very beginning of Matthew chapter 5, there's a pattern to it. And the reason there's a pattern is because it's, it's Hebrew poetry, it's Hebraic poetry, and it's synonymous parallelism. And so what it means basically is it says, blessed are the, and then it fill in a blank, for fill in the blank. So every line is like this. Now, if you are anything like me, you might remember there was a movie called Monty Python, The Life of Brian. Does anybody remember that movie? Again, this is another movie you don't probably want to, like family movie night probably, because it's not really a biblical movie. But I just remember these, these scenes where they're standing kind of on the periphery of this huge crowd, and they're trying to hear what Jesus is saying, and so they, they said, blessed is the cheese maker. Have you seen, okay. <laughs> And then the guy responds, no, it's, it's for anyone in the dairy industry. Anyway, so um, <laughs> there are some of you who will never come back because I just made a Monty Python reference from stage. That's okay. But there's this, this poetry, this poetic feel that goes throughout th- these verses. And when you look at the Beatitudes, it really is kind of synoptic of or a summary of what Jesus says throughout Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And so some of you are right now going, why do we have to read the whole thing then? Just, just do the Beatitudes and we'll be done. Um, but it's really important and it's, really, it's, a, it's a really powerful um, statement of faith and, and how Jesus walks them through this. Now, if you look in Luke chapter 6, there's another sermon there. It's called the Sermon on the Plain. It's Matthew, uh, Luke chapter 6, 17 through 49. And Jesus preaches this sermon and Luke chronicles it. And it's very similar to the Sermon on the Mount. Some people think it's the same sermon and it might be. Uh, the other people think it's a different sermon, but just similar thoughts and, and ideas and things like that. And it really doesn't make any difference to me which one it is. The truth is it was Jesus preaching. She can't stand my preaching. She never stays in the auditorium for my preaching. I don't know what it is. So whether, whether the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain, as it's called in Luke chapter 
um, in, in Luke chapter six or the same thing or not, it really doesn't matter. Because after this sermon today, if you're riding home in the car and there's four people in the car and you say, hey, what did you think about the, you don't, don't ask what you think about the message. Say, what did you get from the message? That's much better because they're gonna have something. Well, that was funny or something. But every person in the car is gonna give something different. They're gonna have a different perspective. A, a, a scripture is gonna land on them differently. They're gonna, they're gonna receive something differently depending on where they're at and what they're dealing with. And so, there's a lot of people that feel like, hey, this is the same message, but Luke and Matthew heard different things, and so they communicated different things in the, in the Gospels. Does that make sense? And so then there's other people that go, no, 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 it's the exact same thing. Because I know some evangelists, and they preach different places, and they've got like three messages, and that's all they preach for years, because they go different places, and they haven't heard this one, I'm going to preach the same thing. But even in the same message, in the same delivery, it's heard differently, and it's, they'll, they'll add different points. I'll preach this message again in just a little bit, and when I do, I'm going to present some things differently. I'm going to say some things differently because uh, I don't go from a script. And so no matter what the take is on Luke chapter 6, it really, there's not a conflict with Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. So when we look at the Beatitudes, the very first thing it says is blessed. Blessed are the, and it goes through this, this kind of um, language throughout the whole thing. And so the first thing I want us to look at I'll start in Matthew chapter five, verse one. This is what it says. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowd, and the crowds are not his direct followers, they're the groups of people that are just curious about Jesus. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountain and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Now he didn't just begin to teach his disciples, he taught everyone. So he goes up in this high place so that people can hear him and he begins teaching. Now this is what it says in Matthew chapter five, verse three. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now when you look at the word blessed, uh, blessed in the Hebrew has, can be interpreted from two different words. Now, some of you are not going to like the way one of them is interpreted, but that's okay. Uh, one of the Hebrew words for blessed is barak, okay? Um, I'm just saying. This isn't a political statement. I just knew some of you are going to be like, that can't be the right thing. You're reading it wrong, right? So one of the Hebrew words for blessed is barak. And the other word for blessed is ashiri. And these two words both mean blessed, but they mean blessed in different ways. Now the word barak, it's, it's got one connotation and it's a blessing that's related to God. So I can't do anything for someone else that would be a barak kind of blessing, okay? And please just disregard any kind of other thing you have going on in your head. So I can't do anything for anyone else and have it be a Barak blessing because the Barak blessing is a blessing that only comes from God. It's initiated by God and it is, uh, it is unmerited. So we can't do anything to deserve that blessing in our life. It is just God saying, I want to bless you. Yesterday I took my girls on a daddy-daughter date. And my, my, they had actually gotten in trouble the day before for some things. And I'm sure your kids never get in trouble, but mine do from time to time. So they'd gotten in some trouble and I'd grounded them from electronics. And, um, and that, that's a big thing in our family. And so we had taken the electronics away. But then the next day I said, you know what? Let's do a daddy-daughter date. Um, we're going to a movie. And we went and saw a movie. And my daughter, Abby, said, she's got the gift of sarcasm like her father. And she said, hey, this is some grounding from electronics, dad. We went and saw a movie and I was like, hey, watch it. You all right? <laughs> I was fully aware of what their punishment was. They didn't deserve for us to go to a movie that day. Their punishment said, you don't deserve that. But what I said, you know what? I, I love you. I'm going to 
bless you in an unmerited way. Does that make sense? And this is what God does for us. And that's, we can't deserve it. We can't do anything to earn it. That is a Barak blessing, okay? And then the second kind of blessing is, um, is let, me, let me make sure I pronounce it right, a Shiri blessing. It's A-S-H-E-R-I. And what this blessing is, is it's a blessing that comes from right actions, so when we do what God is asking us to do, when we live obediently to the word of God, when we uh, just do what we're supposed to do in our workplace and our boss sees it and he says, hey, you deserve a raise. And some of you are like, I've never heard that language from my boss before. That's okay, right? That's what the Ashiri blessing is. Now, again, at the end of the day, every blessing in our life begins with God, okay? Your boss doesn't bless you. God blesses you through your boss. Your boss is just a vessel, right? Uh, you don't bless anybody else. God blesses someone else through you right? You are just a vessel. But this is a blessing that, that begins with someone else, that they see right action or God sees right action and blesses you through someone else. Does that make sense? And so another way that this word can be interpreted, the Ashiri blessing is happy. And I, I, I'm not crazy about using that word because happiness is a feeling and it's fleeting, but, but it gives us some context for this verse. So when you look at this and it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, the blessed here is the Ashiri blessing. So it's not saying when you're poor in spirit, our heavenly father is going to bless you with an unmerited blessing. What it's saying is when you are poor in spirit, God sees that and he's going to bless you through someone else. You're like, okay, how does that help me today? Well, when you look at this word poor in spirit, I think a healthier or better way for us to translate this is through humility. So maybe happy are the humble, if we can say it like that. And again, humility is not something we get excited about. They were like, yes, let's talk about humility. Like, I'm the most humble person I know, so I want to hear more about this humility, right? You can write the foreword to my book I'm writing on humility, how I became humble and how you can do it too. Like, we don't talk about humility in that way, right? We don't get excited about it. But this is what this verse is really talking about. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, the poor in spirit in this context aren't the people who say, poor me, or they have a pity party, or um, <laughs> we sing this song when I was a kid, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, think I'll go eat worms. Remember that song? Some of you are singing it with me. <laughs> You're as old or older than I am. That's crazy. So that is not what we're talking about. When we talk about poor in spirit, we're not talking about people who just feel sorry for themselves. Like, man, nobody likes me. My life is horrible. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about are, are people who understand their standing in relation to God. Because that's what humility is really all about. Because we can think we're something pretty important or pretty special, but when we stack ourselves up to the God of the universe, we begin to realize how ordinary we really are. Does that make sense? And it's not making less of ourselves, but it's understanding who God is and understanding who we are in that context. That's what humility really is all about. It's saying, uh, I know God and it's not me. Because <laughs> a lot of people have problems with that statement. They think they are God. They think the universe revolves around them. But the poor in spirit here is related to humility and it's understanding who we are in relationship to God. This is what it says in Isaiah chapter 66, verse one and two. And let me just stop here. A lot of what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter five, specifically in the Beatitudes, it references um, Isaiah chapter 66. And so it's almost like a, a mini commentary on Isaiah 66. So we see it referenced several times. So this is why I'm going back to Isaiah 66, verse one and two. It says, this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Now I'm gonna stop right here. This is God 
talking to his people through the prophet Isaiah. And he says, has not my hand made all these things so that they came into being, declares the Lord? Now listen to this. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Now again, God is talking about a a dwelling place, a house, but he is foreshadowing. He's not talking about a temple or a building. He's talking, he's foreshadowing to the time when we are his dwelling place. He's looking for someone and and a temple that he can dwell in. And that temple is us. And he says, I'm looking for vessels that I can dwell in. And what what is the groundwork? What is he looking for? The prerequisites? Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. If we want God to actively dwell in us, a key to that is us walking in humility. And it's hard to walk in humility, isn't it? I talked to our staff this last week. We had a meeting and we just unpacked what God has been doing in our church and it's so incredible and it's so much fun to be a part of. But I I just cautioned them and said, you know what, one of the biggest dangers we have as a church and as a staff is start being prideful, is start thinking that we are so good God deserves us. And we are so blessed that God is using us. It has nothing to do with us. We're just trying to be faithful, right? And if we will apply that to our individual lives and just say, you know what? Um, God's not lucky to have me on the team. I'm blessed to be able to be used by God. If we can apply that to our lives in every area, when it comes to your boss or your spouse or your kids, or whatever area it is, it makes it so much easier to walk in humility than to walk in pride. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Now, again, when we think of trembling, we think of the kind of fear like a tornado is bearing down in your house and you're shaking, you're so afraid, or or you have to get up and speak in front of people and you're like, oh gosh, I'm so nervous. Or we think about this this kind of fear when it comes to God. Well, what God is saying is, I don't want people who are terrified of me. I I want people who know me and love me, but they know me so well, they, they are familiar with my power, it makes them just a little bit nervous. Um, I love my dad. I've got a great relationship with my dad, and I have for a long, long time. Um, but when I was a kid, uh, one of the most terrifying things my mother could say to me was, just wait till your father gets home, <laughs> right? And my, my dad would get home some days, and he'd be like, hey, son, how was your day? And I'd say, good, daddy, I only got three spankings today. And he'd be like, that's my boy, right? Like, woo, only three, that's down six from yesterday. But when my mom would say, just wait till your father gets home, Oh my gosh, I was scared to death. And it wasn't because I didn't know my dad. It, doesn't, it wasn't because I thought he was going to beat me to death. But there was this fear that came with my dad because I knew him and I loved him. And there's this, I didn't want to disappoint him. Man, the worst thing my dad could ever say to me, I would take a beating before I heard my dad say, I'm so disappointed with you. Like, I would rather be, I would rather be like beaten about the head and shoulders with a stick than hear my dad say I was disappointed. And there's this kind of feeling when it comes to this. It's not that we're supposed to be terrified of God to the point that we just go, oh gosh, I can't believe, oh God, like that. We're supposed to know God and be in relationship with him, but still have this reverent fear of who he is and the power he has. And it causes us to act a little bit differently. James chapter four, verse six says this. It says, but he gives us more grace. It's talking about God. He gives us more grace. This is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Verse 10, it goes on to say, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Last week, if you were here, one of the services, um, I was, as we were talking with Daryl and Tracy, um, Daryl was talking about, he said, you know, I prayed that God would, would bring me to my knees. And, and I, he, he said, 
If God, we can either humble ourselves or we can let God humble us. And it's so much easier to humble ourselves than have God do it. Because God will strip everything away. If you look throughout scripture, I would challenge you to find one statement about pride where God says, blessed are those who are prideful. Like, it doesn't happen. Never. In fact, usually when it talks about pride, it's in a, ne- well, it's always in a negative context. And a lot of times it comes with consequences. So we look at this and we have to understand this is a keystone for, for walking in the favor of God and walking in the blessing of God and walking in that Ashiri blessing that, that we desire for our lives. I heard somebody say not too long ago, if pride can make a devil out of an angel, what will it do to me? The devil was an angel at one point, and his pride, his vanity, drove him to rebel. How much more for us will pride damage us? Will pride hurt our relationship with God? So, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4 says this, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, I said earlier that this is Hebraic poetry. And if you look, there's parallelism through this. So what, it, what that means is um, each verse is not referencing someone new. Each verse references the same person. Okay? So when I've read this before, years ago, when I would read this, I would think all these different people were blessed. All these different groups of people were blessed in their lives. But what it really means is this, this individual who can walk in this will be blessed. And you go, well, wait a second. It's hard enough to be poor in spirit without mourning. Do I really have to mourn? If I'm poor in spirit, aren't I mourning already a little bit? And yeah, they're, they're related, but this is the thing. What, God, what Jesus is doing here is describing, ooh, I gotta be careful how I say this. He's describing what he wants an ideal Christian to look like. And this is hard, and we're going to get into this. Man, he set some really high standards in some ways. But this is what he says. He he says, blessed are those who mourn. Again, he's talking about an earthly blessing. He's talking about a blessing that comes from people. And he says, those who mourn. Now, when we look at this word mourn, it, it brings to mind... In in the Hebrew world, they had professional mourners. So when someone would die, they literally would hire people to come and mourn outside the home. So when people went by, they would see that somebody had died. And so these mourners, they wouldn't just like hold up signs. It wasn't like they were picketing the house. You ever see the houses? They have the big sign out front and they say, "It's, it's a boy. It's like, okay, we get it. We don't even know you, but you had a baby boy. Like we're all very proud. Like, okay, okay. Every human in America can have a baby. Sorry, Matt and Kalen. And you put up a sign in your yard, like, we get it, okay? But what they would do is they would have these mourners come out, and they weren't just holding signs. They would yell, and they would scream, and they would tear their clothes. They literally would tear their clothes. They were making a scene, and they were mourning on behalf of this family. And so when we think of mourning, sometimes, especially in this context, we think of this. But this is not the image that it's trying to portray at all. Um, the mourning that Jesus is talking about here is initiated... Gosh, there's so much to unpack here. It's initiated with our realization of what sin does in our lives. Um, and I love what Christy said in, in the video today when she said, I realized it didn't have to be perfect, but she was very aware of her own sin in her life, right? She was aware of it, and that's what kept her from saying, well, I'm not perfect, I can't get there. But when we have this realization of what sin does in our lives and how it impacts us and how it grieves the heart of God, there's this this moment, this watershed in our lives where everything changes. 
And now some people live their whole lives never having that understanding. They may say a prayer a hundred times, but they never really get it. They never really understand what their sin is doing to them, how it's hurting them, their lives, how it's impacting them. And, and this is the morning. Because what happens is we get to that point and we are grieved. Have you ever done something to hurt somebody else that you loved and you realized what you did? And this, this sense of mourning in your heart that you're like, God, I can't believe I did that to my daughter or to my son or to my dad or my spouse or whatever it might be. And there's a sense of grief or guilt or, or shame or whatever it is. This is the mourning we're talking about, except it's directed toward God, okay? So this is what it says. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Um, mourning is not just our personal sin, I got to be careful with this one too. This this sermon is is wrought with minefields. Um, this can be corporate sin as well. So I don't get political from the stage. I just don't. I try not to. I'll make a comment about the Second Amendment once in a while, but that's it. Okay. Um, but I will tell you this: when we see what's going on with Christians around the world being martyred for the cause of Christ, just simply for worshiping Jesus Christ, I mourn. Collectively, as a people, we should be heartbroken over that. We should be lifting up our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world who are losing their lives for simply worshiping Jesus Christ. And what should happen is there should be this collective sense of mourning in our heart that, that draws us closer to God and makes us long for the return of Jesus even more someday. And this is the mourning we're talking about. So it can be related to your personal sin, your personal life, or it can be related to corporate feeling as well. We, we should feel this when we see the staggering numbers of babies that are killed every day in the United States because of abortion. We should mourn as a people over this. We should be grieved over this. We should be repentant about our sin as a people. And it should draw us closer to God. And it may, should make us yearn for the return of Jesus all the more. Because when we do that, there's a realization of our own sin, of our own uh, frailty, of our own need for God. And it's closely related to that first verse that talks about humility. Because when we humble ourselves before God, it makes us more aware of our own sins and it drives us to God all the more. We realize how desperately we need a savior all the more. And this is the morning we're talking about. Now we've all experienced loss. We've all experienced bad times. We've all experienced disappointment, but this isn't the morning that Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about a morning that's much deeper than this. He says, for they will be comforted. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is referred to, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the comforter in John chapter 14, verse 26. And, and I, can take, I can take comfort in that because Jesus said, hey, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you alone. I'm sending a comforter for you. He said, I'm gonna send somebody for you. He's gonna take care of you. And we can take some joy in that. But how does the comforter work? Jesus also calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth in John chapter 16, verse 13. And I think these two things are more closely related than we really realize they are. That when we understand the truth of who God is, who his character and nature is and what he does, then it makes it easier for us to be comforted. Let me read this passage to you. This is Isaiah chapter 66. And I told the tech team I was only going to read verse 10, but I lied to them. 
In this passage, um, Israel was in captivity. Um, the bright future they had hoped for seemed to be vanished and evaporated and gone. And, and this is what God speaks to his people through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 66, verses 7 through 11. It says, before she goes into labor, she gives birth. Before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Who has ever heard of such a thing, right? We all know if a woman gives birth, she has labor pains, and then the child is born. He says, who has ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her child. Do I bring to the moment of birth, or do I bring to the moment of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord? Do I close up the womb? When I bring to delivery, says your, uh, do I close up the womb when I bring to delivery, says your God? This is what it says in verse 10. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice greatly with her, all you who mourn over her. For you will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breast. You will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. And this is what it's saying here. Jerusalem was a mess. It once was the, the pinnacle of Israeli society, and here it is in, in ruins. And God is saying through Isaiah, hey, you are mourning for Jerusalem, but don't mourn. Because if you know me, you know there's something good in store. I'm bringing hope to you. There's a future there. So you're mourning, but, but don't mourn because there's something better in store. And I know it makes you a little uncomfortable, the, the, the verbiage we use here, but he, he compares himself to a mother comforting a child. And he said, don't worry, it's going to be okay. And some of you are here today and you're mourning and you're, you're, you're suffering, you're going through something. And I would direct you and say, let the comforter, the, the spirit of truth, speak truth to you and tell you the truth about who God is. Because when we understand that, it makes it easier for us to walk through our difficulty and our hurt and our disappointment. Um, I am a full-on mama's boy, if you didn't know that. I'm sure you were wondering, but I am. Um, my dad, he traveled a lot. He was in highway construction, so he was gone a lot. So um, my mom, she, I mean, she did a lot of stuff for us around the house. And um, like every kid, <laughs> if you look at my baby pictures growing up, um, every picture, I have like a black eye or like a busted lip or, you know, some sort of like damage. And I asked my mom one time, why, why did you always take pictures of me when I looked like that? And she said, because you always looked like that. I would have never had a picture of you if you, you know. But my mom, one of the things I'll never forget is that it didn't matter what I did. Um, if I crashed my bike, if I fell out of a tree, if I crawled through an ant bed unintentionally, which I did, I would come in and I would be crying and I would be, you know, snot everywhere and bleeding or, you know, broken, something's damaged. And my mom would get me cleaned up and then she'd put me in her lap and she would say, don't worry, baby, it's going to be okay. Don't worry, it's going to be okay. Yeah, you're bleeding a little bit. It, it'll, it'll heal though, baby. You're going to be all right. And she'd rock me in her lap and she'd tell me everything was going to be okay. And what I've realized is she was the vessel of the Holy Spirit in that moment. Because this is what the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit brings us truth. And the Holy Spirit comes to us and says, it's, it's going to be okay. 
It's gonna be all right. I know you're, you're beaten up and you're damaged. I know you're bleeding and you're hurting. I know you're disappointed, but it's gonna be okay. You're, you're gonna make it through this. And sometimes it feels like we're being placated, like people are just saying, oh, you're gonna be fine. But what the Holy Spirit does is it tells us truth. It tells us that God hasn't forgotten about us, that Jesus knows where we're at, that our pain is going to be for something in the future. And that's where the blessing lies. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. How are we comforted? By the Holy Spirit, by the truth of God. That's how we're comforted. That's what God wants for us today. See, the truth is, we can't do this thing on our own. We need the help of God, desperately. And God wants us to be at a place where we recognize our own limitations and we call on God's help. But there's a blessing that comes when we mourn. When we say, okay, God, I'm grieving over my own sin. The things I've done that I know have hurt you or hurt others. I'm, I'm grieving over the sin of our, of our nation, of our world. I'm grieving over how lost we are as a people. And I'm longing for the promise, the truth, the good news of your return someday. The, the, though the circumstances right now are difficult, though we might be beat up and banged up and bleeding and bruised, I'm looking forward to a promise that you are good and that you haven't forgotten about us. And that's what God wants to do for us today. Why don't you bow your head? Lord, we love you today. And I'm so thankful that every one of your promises are yes and amen, that we can trust them and that we know they're true. And Lord, I thank you for your word that you've given us, that we can, Lord, explore your truth, that we can find out more about you and grow in our faith with you. And God, I pray that you would just speak to us in the next few minutes, reveal yourself to us. And God, I pray as you reveal yourself, let us see ourselves in a more accurate light as well. If you're here today with your head bowed and your eyes closed and you say, Mel, I'm not really a Christian. I'm not really following God. I'm not really serving God, but I want to. I want to know him. I want to be in a relationship with Jesus. Nah, I'm tired of living my life for myself. I'm tired of trying to do it my own way. And I want God's best for my life. I want to know Jesus. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want you to raise your hand where you're at so I can pray with you. So if that's you, would you just slip your hand up and say, pray for me? I want to know Jesus today. Thanks over here on my right. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Who else? says, so that's me. Pray for me. Thank you. Up in the balcony. Who else? Over here on my left. I see you, sir. You can put your hand down. Awesome. Just a few more seconds. Who else says, that's me. Pray for me. I want to know Jesus today. I want to have a relationship with him. Thank you. Up here on my right in the balcony. You can put your hand down, ma'am. Awesome. Anybody else? Thank you. I see you over there. Awesome. Praise God. This is what I'd like us to do. I want every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, just to say this very simple prayer after me. Everybody repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I confess I need you. I'm a sinner, but I don't want to live this way anymore. Take my life and do the incredible. Redeem it for your glory. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give God a round of applause for that right there? Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. Now listen, before we go on, if you're here and you raised your hand, you said, that's me. 
Uh, there's a couple things I would love for you to do. If you would, fill out that prayer card in the seat back in front of you. On the back, it says uh, salvation or rededication. Just let us know what your decision was and drop it in the offering boxes as you leave today. We just wanna have record of that. I wanna follow up with you, help you take the next step. That's the first thing. The second thing is uh, we would love for you to be baptized. So if you are making that decision today, we want you to take that next step and be baptized and make a public proclamation of your faith in Jesus Christ. There's something powerful about doing that. And so we want you to take that next step, but we wanna get you plugged in and, and growing in your faith and discipled to help you um, become everything that God wants you to be. So let me pray for you one more time. Bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here and you say, Mel, I'm struggling with pride, and that's, hard, that's a hard thing to raise your hand on. If you say, I'm struggling with pride today and humility, and I need God to help me be, be more humble. I need to see myself in relation to God. Thank you. You can raise your hand and lift your hand up real high for me. Let me see you. Thank you. Awesome. Several of you. Yeah. Up in the balcony. Down here on the floor. Several. Yeah. Over here on my right. All over the place. If you're here today and you say, Mel, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm in mourning and I want to be comforted. I need the Holy Spirit to comfort me today. If that's you, I don't know what you're going through, what you've been through. But if you're here today and you say that to me, pray for me. Would you just put your hand up and let me pray for you today? Thank you so much. Let me pray over you right now. Father, thank you that your word makes it clear that if we call on you, you will rescue us. So God, I pray right now for those who are in this place and Father, they're dealing with pride. Lord, they need humility in their lives. God, I pray that you would bring them humility. God, I pray that they would allow themselves or God, cause themselves to be humbled so you wouldn't have to do it for them. Lord, I pray that you would drive pride out and let us walk in humility so that we can be used by you in a way that would glorify you in this world. God, I pray for those that are here that are mourning today, that are struggling, that are going through difficult circumstances. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would be a comforter to them right now. Reveal your truth to them so that they can see that they're not in this thing alone, that you haven't forgotten about them, that they have a future and a promise that we will not let go of. So God, have your way with those that are mourning today. God, thank you that there is blessing on the other side of our mourning, God, that there is a child on the other side of the child pain. So God, I pray for joy to replace mourning in this place, God. Have your way with us, God. We love you, we thank you, and we give you glory for everything you're doing here, everything you're gonna continue to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Now listen, we're gonna sing one more song. Our prayer team's on either side of the stage as we sing. If you'd like to be prayed for, we'd love to pray for you. It would be an honor for us to do that. If you have a need of any kind, that's what we're here for. You can email us your prayer need at prayer at summittogether.com or you can fill out that prayer card in the seat back in front of you. Drop it in the offering box as you leave. Let us know what your prayer need is. We're gonna agree over all those prayer needs in our staff meetings every week. We agree over those and pray over those with you. So let us know what those are. So why don't you stand to your feet all over the room. Let's worship together one more time. I love you more than you know and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. Let's worship together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To watch this message on video, go to summittogether.com.